Why did he die? Why? And so I want us to begin our discussion with this question. And the answer will be at the tail end of the presentation. Why did Jesus die? And as a matter of fact, it's important that believers would understand that the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is an undeniable fact. Yes, he came. He died. He was buried. On the third day, he rose back to life. This is the foundation upon which our lives as Christians is built. So the songwriter says, my faith is built on nothing else than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. And I need no other argument. Why? Because it's enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. You see, the story of Jesus Christ, his birth, his death and resurrection has come under severe attack. And today we have a body of people who are preaching that Christmas is not supposed to be celebrated because they say that it is a pagan uh, festival that has been adopted by Christians. And so therefore, anybody who celebrates Christmas, which is the birth of Christ, is practicing paganism. They are trying to say that uh, Jesus was not born by a virgin lady. His virgin birth is not true. All right. If it is true that his virgin birth is false, then we will not have a savior. We will not have a savior. They have tried, but they have failed. Now, there is another body of people that are speaking against the celebration of Easter, i.e. the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they say that somebody lived. That person was called Jesus. He died, but he did not resurrect. Okay, if this happens to be true, then it also means that we don't have a savior. So it is very, very important that believers would be very, very, very firm in their convictions. Whatever may be the situation, we need to be very strong. We need to be confident in the faith. In 
view of the truth that whatever Jesus came to do is true. And by believing in it, we are safe. We need not to be shaken. We need not to be agitated with the stripes, with the temptations, and the cares of life. We need to be fixed in the faith and let not the power of sin, the arts of the enemy, seduce the soul. Move us away from what we have believed. And so I just want us to go through the death of Jesus Christ. We're going to be looking at the trial of Jesus and see some of the things that took place that day. And then at the end, we'll try to answer the question, why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus die? And so we'll read from the gospel according to Luke chapter 23. We'll take the first 12 verses. Luke 23, reading from verse 1 to 12. And let's read from the NIV. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowd, Now listen, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted. He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him, dressing him in an elegant robe. They sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends before this they had been enemies. Can we read further? 
Let's read further. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people and said to them, you brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, neither has Herod for he sent him back to us as you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. But the whole crowd shouted, Away with this man. Release Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again. But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time, he spoke to them, why, what crime has this man committed? I have found him in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. 23. But with loud shout, they insistently demanded that he be crucified. And their shouts prevailed. And their shouts prevailed. Now, let us ask ourselves, what voice is controlling your life and your faith. There are so many noises out there. So many theories. So many teachings. So many claims. There are so many people who are anti-Christ. And they speak all sorts of evil about Jesus Christ. There is a teaching going out there. That the Christian faith is not authentic. The Bible cannot be trusted. There are so many people who are questioning the Christian faith. Others are saying that certain core values of the faith cannot be absolute. And so many Christians are falling prey to these erroneous teachings that are going out there. Yet, you yourself, you know that what the Bible is saying is true. But somehow, because you cannot withstand the pressure, you give in. This is what we see in the life of the gentleman who tried Jesus. He did everything that a judge is supposed to do. And in his own words, he says, I find no fault in this man. But the Bible says, yet the shout of the people prevail. 
if there should be anything that should prevail, it should be the word of God. Praise the Lord. They can preach whatever they want, whatever they like. The word of God is truth. And all Christians must be firm in their convictions about the word of God. And when I say conviction, I'm talking about an unshakable belief in the word of God without need for further proof. I need no other argument. It is enough. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Oh, hallelujah. Now, so we're going to look at the trial. This passage talks about the trial of Jesus. The trial of Jesus. Now, the man who tried him is the man Pontius Pilate. And it is believed that Pilate was appointed governor of the border province of Judea by the emperor Tiberius. And then he served for 10 years, it is believed, from AD 26 to 36. And he acquired a reputation as an able administrator with typically Roman sense of fair play. This man was loved by the Romans, but somehow he was hated by the Jews because he was contemptuous of them. He was known to have exhibited the Roman standards in Jerusalem. And so the Jews did not like him that much. At the time of Jesus, he was the governor. And so when Jesus was arrested, they brought him to Pilate. The charges that they placed on Jesus were of twofold. In the Roman sense and then in the Jewish sense. But when you scan through the Bible passage that we have just read, now, they felt that the doctrines that Jesus taught was dangerous and subversive. He was inciting the people against the authorities. Then Jesus was perceived to be a threat to law and order, which could not be tolerated. And he was seen as somebody always challenging the status quo. Because Jesus will go and heal somebody on the day of Sabbath. The priest would not understand. And they would question, why should you heal somebody on the Sabbath? And Jesus will ask them, tell me, was man made for the Sabbath or the Sabbath made for man? And what is the true meaning of Sabbath? Jesus will enter the temple and then we'll find them trading in the temple of God, a place that is supposed to be a house of prayer. He became angry and he drove 
the traders out of the temple and he rebuked the Pharisees. They didn't like it. He was also seen as a revolutionary thinker and a revolutionary preacher because he was showing mercy to the poor. He was loving people. He was doing good. And the Bible says large crowd followed him. He had come with a mission. And he was bent on fulfilling that vision. He is God incarnate. And the heart of God for humanity is a heart of love. God desires that it shall be well with the people that he had created in his own image. And Jesus had come to do that, to bring man back to God and reveal the heart of God to humanity. The people did not understand it. And so when he was arrested and they sent him to Pilate, they levied these charges against him. Now, Pilate had been placed there by the Roman emperor. And in the Roman court, his charges were more of political and sedition. And that is why they included the fact that his teachings was inciting people to rebellion. However, in the Jewish court, it was more of theological and that is why they said that he was blaspheming against God. So two areas. The charges were political in nature and theological in nature. Somehow, if he's able to avoid the theological charges, he will be found guilty on the basis of the political charges. So it was a well-calculated effort to try to crucify Jesus or eliminate him. But regardless of what the charges were, the legal procedure had to be followed as required by both the Roman and the Jewish courts. Any prisoner who was arrested should be charged. This prisoner should be cross-examined Witnesses had to be called before a verdict is to be reached. Then after the verdict is reached, sentence could now be pronounced on the grounds that the person has been proven guilty beyond every reasonable doubt. But if you look at the trial of Jesus, that is not what took place. Why did Jesus die. Why did they crucify him? Now, let's again look at the trial and look at the man who was sitting in the judgment seat. Let's look at his convictions. Once you understand this, you would appreciate the work of Christ on our behalf. In himself, he did not need to die. There was no grounds for him to die. But yet he died. So there must be a good reason why he allowed himself 
to be crucified. And that is what Matthew chapter 20, Luke chapter 23 is saying. He's saying that they brought Jesus before Pilate. Then Pilate cross-examined him and became fully convinced that Jesus was innocent. At this point, what in your speaking, what do you think could have been the reasonable thing or should have been the reasonable thing for Pilate to do? To release him. To release him. You see, deeply seated in Pilate's inner man was the conviction that they were wrong about Jesus. I don't know what he saw in Jesus, but he saw the truth. He saw the truth. That there was no sin in him. Yet, as powerful as he was in his office, he could not release Jesus Christ. Instead, he chose to do one of two, four or five things. And let's look at them. Number one, he decided that he would transfer responsibility of making decision to somebody else. And this is stated in verse 4 to 6. Let's go there again. Luke chapter 23, verse 4 to 6. I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted. He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked. As a fact, it was a tense debate. The chief priests and the crowd were outside shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And this man also is asking Jesus. They had judged him that he claims to be the king of the Jews. Then he asked him, is it true? Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, you have said so. And still this man is saying that, no, 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 no. You people are wrong. And his wife has also warned him that I have, I have had a dream about this man. You are not dealing with an ordinary man. Make sure you do not touch him. And so he was confused and did not know what to do. But when he heard that he was from Galilee, he said, okay, it's an opportunity for me to get this out of my neck. Send him away to Herod. Why would he do that? Then, so they took Jesus away. And I believe at that time, Pilate probably went back home and then sat down and sighed and said, wow, what a relief. At long last, it's over. They've taken him away. But before he would even rejoice or celebrate he heard another voice he heard the noise coming back what is going on only to be told the man you sent 
to Herod is being brought back. So they brought Jesus back. And then he decided to try half measures to satisfy both his convictions and people. He wanted to release Jesus by satisfying the crowd. And so when you read from verse 13 to 16, Pilate will do something. Let's go there. Verse 13 to 16. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people and said to them, you brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charge against him. So this is a judge speaking. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. So at least we have two powerful witnesses declaring him innocent. And these were no mean people. We're talking about Herod and then Pontius Pilate. They are saying that we have seen nothing wrong in him. But look at verse 16. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. My question is, when somebody is brought to you on charges and after cross-examining the person, you see that the person is innocent. Is there any need for punishment? Why do you have to punish somebody who in your own estimation is innocent of the crimes? And he thought that by punishing him, the people would be satisfied. And then what he had seen, his own convictions about Jesus Christ as being a just man, he could act on it. So he was trying have measures. If that had succeeded, he would not still have been exonerated because he would have punished an innocent man. This is what I call half-hearted devotion. It is like seven God and mammon. Seven God and mammon. You want to please God. Still, you want to please, at the same time, you want to please people. You cannot be on both camps. You are either here or there. So, he would go ahead and then he would punish Jesus. But that didn't help. So he wanted to do the right thing for the wrong reasons. Pilate asked that Jesus and Barabbas be brought forward. And he knew, and the, the, the whole crowd, the, the whole city, the people in the city knew that Barabbas was a, a notorious criminal who had committed murder and had been, had been charged of insurrection. This was against the government. And he has also killed somebody. And he had been tried 
and he had been found guilty. He was only waiting for the day of his execution. And in the mind of Pilate, there was no way the people were going to ask that Barnabas should be released. He knew for sure that with the crimes with, with, and Barnabas should be crucified. And that is why he asked that Jesus be beaten. And Jesus was beaten according to scripture beyond recognition. Yet that did not please the people. So he brought Jesus and then brought Barnabas. And then he asked which one of them do you want me to release? Because by the Jewish custom, on the day of Passover, an amnesty should be given to a prisoner or some prisoners. And so, somebody would have to be released. And he was thinking that Jesus will be released, Barnabas will be crucified. To his surprise and disappointment, the people still shouted, crucify Jesus. But if you look at the crimes, even the charges that were brought against Jesus and the crimes of Barnabas, who in his right frame of mind would ask a murderer and somebody who has caused insurrection to be released back into the society for a harmless teacher to be crucified. Now, before we condemn Pilate, let us look closely into our own lives. Many a times, we behave like Pilate. We betray Jesus because we want to please people. Many Christians cannot stand up for their faith today in public. We can't say right is right and wrong is wrong because we don't want to offend people. Sometimes our love for the Lord is challenged by the fear of being rejected by people. Because they said that if you let this man go, you will not be the friend of Caesar. And because he wanted to be the friend of Caesar, he had to do the wrong thing. Only that in the estimation of God, he was doing the right thing. Jesus had to die. We at times want to do what is right, but only when it would receive the approval of people. Quite often, we wash our hands in innocence, but fail to condemn the wrong. So when he had done it all, and it did not work, he said, bring me a bowl of water. They brought him a bowl of water, and then he washed his hands, and says, I am not guilty of this man's blood. But he was equally guilty. 
How do you say, I am not guilty? Yet, you are releasing him to be crucified. One great lesson of our study is that Jesus was proved beyond every reasonable doubt that he was innocent and was so pronounced by Pilate not once but about four times in all the charges that were brought against him yet he was crucified this is what makes our salvation authentic why because he was given as the lamp of god to take away the sins of the world and this was typified in the passover that was instituted at the time that god was delivering his people from egyptian bondage he told them that you should select a lamp without defect a lamp without blemish examine this lamp for four days just to make sure that you are offering a lamp that has no defect Christ Jesus was typified in that act and when God gave him as the lamp of God Christ Jesus our Passover lamp God himself said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased Jesus said that you should place faith in the one on whom God has placed his approval well one will say that is the testimony of God but what about the testimony of men and this is where we also see the testimony of men they found him to be worthy they found him to be worthy to take our sins and so when they brought Barabbas that day for me Barabbas represented humanity mankind and Jesus the innocent lamb of God was given to take the place of man and he had to die that the sinner might live let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 now God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Brothers and sisters, if you are here as somebody who has placed faith in Jesus, you should understand that your sins are forgiven. 
God made him who had no sin. He had no sin. Yet, they crucified him as somebody who had sin. Why? Because we might become the righteousness of God in him. That is why Jesus died. He was crucified to set me free. Therefore, whoever is set free by the Son is free indeed. This is our faith. Let us remain resolute in this faith and understand that your salvation is authentic and it is complete because you were not bought with blood of boots, goats, booze, cows. No, but with the precious, the precious, the precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But the next one is chapter 6. Chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians from verse 1 and 2. Let's read that. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. So this is a continuation of chapter 5, verse 21. Now that he who had no sin, he who knew no sin, was made sin, in order that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, this is pure grace. Let us not receive this grace in vain. Verse 2 says, For he says, In the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Hallelujah. Last but not the least, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 following. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 following. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. In his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threat. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds you have been healed now Christ did this setting an example for us and so this is how we live or we respond to the grace so that in our everyday life, we would have that heart to absorb people's weaknesses and their fault 
and their sins. When somebody wrongs you, you should show love. When he hates, you should love. When they insult, don't insult back. Just pray for them and leave everything into the hands of God. If we be able to live this way, we would change our society. We would affect the life of humanity. And we do this knowing that we are a product of this kind of life. Once we understand our salvation and the work of Christ this way, we will respond in the same way and we will show the rest of the world that God has a better way for humanity to live here on earth. Christians don't hate. We love. We don't speak evil. We wish people well. We promote life. We seek for the betterment of others. We expend our lives for the good of others. This is the life of Christ. Why did Jesus die? He died to set me free. He who knew no sin was made sin that I might become the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. Let us live in the example of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God bless you. Amen. Shall we be upstanding?